You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Well, I want to welcome you back to Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, and I hope that you're having a great day and that you're having a great summer. And speaking of summer, we have spent the last several weeks walking together through Jesus' great Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 in this series, but I tell you truths from Jesus. As you well know by now, Jesus said many times in his sermon, you've heard it said before, but I tell you, and so we are doing our best to listen carefully to what Jesus had to say about specific issues in life. And today, in episode 45, we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about love and praying and loving your enemies. This is episode 45, and that's hard to believe that we have now completed a little bit over a year's worth of content. And if you've been following along with us this past year, I want to thank you so much and would encourage you to continue to follow along, share this podcast, get it out there into the virtual world so we can bless more people with the Word of God. You know, the world which Jesus stepped into was a troubling world full of hatred. There was political hatred. The Romans looked down on every other country, and really every other country despised Rome. There was religious hatred. The Jews couldn't stand the Gentiles because the Gentiles were unclean. And the Gentiles, they couldn't stand the Jews because the Jews were arrogant and ignorant. And in general, people were just unhappy with life. It was a barbaric time in society. Honestly, it sounds a lot like our world today. So when Jesus stepped onto the scene in Matthew chapter 5, and when Jesus said these words in Matthew five forty-three. Through 48, the words we're going to look at today, it changed everything. Politically, people ask the question, you mean we aren't superior over everyone else? And spiritually, people scratched their heads and they wondered, you mean we can associate with them? And in general, people just asked, you mean life doesn't have to be this disheartening or this discouraging? We don't have to live with hearts of despair? The answer to all those questions is yes. Yes. 
And Jesus explains why as we continue our series together today. Listen to what he says, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, Jesus begins that passage by telling us the truth about neighbors and enemies. And once again, in verses 43 and 44, we find that famous slogan that has guided our series so far. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you have your Bible open, you might notice a footnote that points to Leviticus 19.18, the verse that Jesus was referencing. But if you look up Leviticus 19.18, you might also notice a problem. Leviticus 19.18 says nothing about hating your enemy. It only talks about loving your neighbor. Once again, the super-religious of the day had been changing the law of God. They had been telling people that it was okay to hate those outside of a covenant relationship with Yahweh. Gentiles, Romans, anyone who wasn't Jewish, really. But Jesus says that's, that's not true. I will see your alteration of the law and I will raise it to the next level. Don't hate your enemy, but pray for him. Pray for him. Well, that really set them back on their heels. And it sets us back on our heels as well. To pray for our enemies. If you remember, Jesus helped us to find neighbors and enemies in other places of Scripture. Do you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? Jesus tells that parable because a religious leader asked him that very question, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, I'll tell you who your neighbor is. And he goes on to tell him a story. You know the story. A Jewish man is in a ditch. He's about to die. The religious leaders and the heroes of society walked by. They did nothing. But it was the lowly Samaritan, the one despised by all, who stopped to help. Jesus said, there's your answer. Your neighbor is anyone who needs help. Jesus doesn't build fences around the neighbor relationship. He does more around the brother relationship, and for good reason. Brothers are those who are fellow believers in Christ. But how will our neighbors become brothers if we don't help them? And that's exactly Jesus' point in the parable. But the, that word enemy is full of meaning. In America, particularly in years gone by, we used to think of enemy as 
ISIS or Al-Qaeda. But biblically speaking, enemy simply means one who works against that which is good. That's why the devil is our enemy. The Antichrist is our enemy. So Jesus says, here's the God-given truth you need to know. Have compassion for everyone, even if they're different than you are. And those people who want to do you harm, physically or spiritually, don't hate them, but pray for them. Because you can't hate someone that you're praying for. Have you ever noticed that in your life? You want to stop being angry at somebody? You want to let go of some bitterness that you have in your heart for somebody? Pray for them. Because one of two things will happen. You will either stop hating or you will stop praying. But you can't do both at the same time. And whatever you do, don't stop praying. But then Jesus tells us the truth about love. The word for love which Jesus used was agape. And that's no surprise. That's most often the word used in the New Testament to describe God's love for his people and the love that we are supposed to have for others who are in Christ. It's that unconditional, unwavering type of love that that God has for his children. Now, it's not a love that's always sentimental or affectionate. It's just a love that will always exist regardless of circumstance. That's why Jesus says God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Why? Because he loves them. Now, God disapproves of how the unjust live, but he still loves them. He still blesses their lives. And Jesus says you need to be just like that. And to illustrate his point, he mentions tax collectors and pagans, neither of which the Jews wanted to be like. The tax collectors were most likely Jewish. It was their job to collect a certain amount of taxes that Rome ordained had to be collected, but anything over that amount the Jewish tax collectors could keep as their own salary. So they were dishonest. They would abuse their right. They would take from people more than they had to take so they could pad their pockets more than their pockets needed to be padded. They would take it easier on their friends, and then they would steal from everyone else. It's no surprise why tax collectors were hated in the days of Jesus and why tax collectors aren't the most desirous of people today. The pagans, though, they were Gentiles. They were unclean. They were outside of that covenant relationship with God. So listen to what Jesus says when he deals with how we should approach tax collectors and pagans. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, well, you aren't any better than a tax collector. If you greet those who greet you, what are you doing more than the pagans? You see, Jesus' question gets back to a very important principle. Jesus expects his people, his followers, his disciples to do more. To love more. 
to pray more, to help more, to be more friendly. Because if we don't do more than the world, we aren't any different than the world. Which means as the church, we can't simply find our identity in how well we treat each other. Because if we love each other, but we don't love the world, that's not special. Even tax collectors do that. And in the church, we can't think we've reached some spiritual utopian height if we're friendly. Because if we talk up a storm inside the walls of the church building on Sunday, but we don't open our mouths outside the walls Monday through Saturday, well, that's nothing to brag about either. Now, Jesus calls us to the agape type of love for all people, even our enemies. We don't have to be best friends. We don't have to be warm. We don't have to be over the top. But we do have to love, regardless of what they do. Because God loves us, regardless of what we do. And then finally, Jesus tells us the truth about perfection in verse 48. Have you ever known those people who panic when Jesus says to be perfect? Maybe you've panicked when you've come across those words in your own personal Bible study or heard them in a Bible class or a sermon. When Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, we say, well, we can't do that. We can't be perfect because we are very much imperfect people. And some have tried to combat that and ease tension and calm nerves by saying, well, a better translation for the word perfect is complete or mature. Jesus is saying, be complete, be fully grown in your faith. And those are good translations. Truth is, is we can't be perfect without Christ. He is what makes us perfect. But we don't misunderstand Jesus' point in the context. I believe this verse is placed here for a reason. We become perfect because we've loved our neighbors with an unconditional love, because we've prayed for our enemies rather than hating them, and because we've gone above and beyond in our service to God. You see, spiritual perfection is a result of spiritual progression. I'll say that again. Spiritual perfection is a result of spiritual progression. And many times, perfection is reached when we look beyond the family of God because we do for the world what God has done for all of humanity. This passage, like many we've studied in this series and many in the Bible, it forces us to conduct a deep evaluation of our own lives. It makes us ask the following questions. Am I loving my neighbors with agape love? Am I praying for my enemies? Am I pursuing a life that is perfect or complete or mature? And if we're completely honest, I think we already know the answers, which is a big reason why we so often don't want to conduct the evaluation. And you know why that evaluation is so important? Well, it's because it defines our ownership by God. Remember what Jesus said as to why we do these things? Jesus said, you do this, you love your enemies, you pray for your enemies, you go above and beyond 
so that you may be sons of your father. Yes, we officially become sons and daughters of God in baptism. But if we want to continue that relationship, we must live like we're part of the family. And we do it through our love and through our prayer and through our perfection. You know, anything Jesus tells us to do is usually pretty challenging. But it's always worth it. And I hope that you will stick with us as we continue to make our way through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount this summer. As always, I encourage you to keep your eyes on heaven and stick with us here at Road Talk as we help you prepare for the road work of life. Have a great day and we will talk to you soon.